Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this 12th day or 7th day of December 2017. Uh... We're here with our co-host, Jay Basser, and today we're having a guest speaker on is Dr. Bash and his assistant there. And uh, are you in there, John? Yes, I am. Hello? Oh. Hey, Dr. Bash, can you hear me? Okay. Is everybody yeah, here? I'm in here. I think we're missing I'm one. In. I've been trying to get on for an hour. Or, I don't well. know what's going on. We got some, we got some major technical difficulties with blog talk tonight, guys. So, you know, we could lose the thing any time. So just, uh, just got to keep going because uh, I got in with Seth for five seconds to go. Did you? Well, what's yeah. going on? Well, that's all right. Maybe I thought, my God, what in the world has happened? <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> I couldn't, I even tried to call you, though. Uh, but anyway, we're here with with Dr. Bash, and uh, uh, Dr. Bash, how are you doing today? I'm good. Can you hear me? I'm on the radio? Yeah, you're on yes. the radio. Yep, yep I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. You guys got any? You guys got any topics you want to talk about today? Uh, hey, you mentioned something in your email. This, you can talk about. Yeah, we can talk about anything. But how about this liver fluke uh, we keep hearing about? Do you have any data on that? Uh, from uh, from Vietnam, or from yes. the guys from yes. yeah, well, yeah. I had a few of those. Yeah, well, they're from the Middle East, I guess, uh, uh, Thailand vets, and uh, anybody that was there in the Middle East that ate uh, some raw fish or undercooked fish or or drank, even drank the water, especially fresh water, they said. Uh, yeah, I've had a few patients with that, and um, Vietnam veterans had that. And uh, I wrote them up, and <laughs> one of the cases I've been put a picture of the liver fluke, you know, from research in, in my article, and um, I've had success with those cases. Oh. Uh, well, good. I was understanding that the VA wasn't quite uh, convinced that this should be a... a uh, Service connected item, but uh, maybe I'm wrong. Well, the VA, VA is convinced that most things aren't service connected, right? <laughs> well, yes, they do. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of cases, but uh, you know, it's about where the where the location is, and then if the patient has the symptoms and and uh, then the pathology, then that's probably the most likely place for them to get it. So. Well, the trouble is, their finding is that uh, uh, usually by the time they're discovered, it's a little bit late. So I would recommend all the veterans from from uh, that served in the Middle East to uh, get tested somehow. Once it manifests, it's too late. You've already got cancer. Yeah, Yeah, I think the couple I did it were... Veterans, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, they can flex the uh, liver and also flex the bile duct. So it's yeah. a yeah, it's a bad thing. That's a bad thing. But uh, you're wanting to uh, 
give some information on the BBA, Doctor Bash. Are they? How, how's I, one of the topics. One of the things. You know, I do these, I do these cases, and one of the cases I had, the guy. Uh, uh, I guess he put it put it to have this case extradited, maybe a little bit or something. We get a call. We get a call from the BBA um, lawyer that works for, for one of the judges at his house. Yeah. And was asking questions about his case and trying to help him get the data he needed to decide the case. He says, I'm going to decide this thing in about four or five days, and if you get me a letter from Dr. Bash or whoever else you got to help you, I'll, I'll put it in the file and try to decide in your favor. That was interesting because that's the first time I ever heard of a BBA lawyer calling a patient up and trying to help him get the data that he needs. So. Well, you know, I think there ought to be a lot more of that, Dr. Bash. Uh, it would sure help, uh, help uh, you know, quite a few veterans. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I tell patients that you know, I do these cases, but one of the things I do that, that makes them useful is that I talk to patients. I can call them on the phone and, you know, examine them if I'm in person. But, you know, I interface with patients and talk to them. They read my drafts. So, you know, if I make mistakes, we can correct them real time along the way instead of waiting for the decision to come out you know, six months later. Oh, so, Dr. Bash, your sidekicks made it. Wait, who's on there? <laughs> I think Janice, isn't it? Hello. Hello. Oh, Hello? Yeah, Carol. Oh, oh Berta. Berta, how you doing? Berta. Yeah, okay. uh, I didn't think you what uh, got me into the calling, and I missed a little bit of the beginning. But uh, in any event, Craig, how are you? Long time no see. It's Ferguson. Uh, I'm good. Yep, yep. Still doing. Still doing uh, oh, you bet. I'm staying healthy. Uh, just for spite. <laughs> in case I have another claim. Um, it, I, I thought maybe you had some things to talk about. Uh, I just wanted to mention something to you. Um, uh, just uh, about 20 minutes ago, I referred a brand-new member, had a member to you. I always refer them to you if I know that they need your help. You know, it, uh, uh, and uh, I... Uh, the new member, if he contacts you uh, and lets me know on the board, I can email you uh, a few replies to her. Uh, it regards 1151. Uh, I don't have enough information yet to know if it would be solid, but I see some potential. And um, at some point, I'd like to ask you a brief question about 1151. Well, I think you've got the show prepared already for a few things you guys want to talk about. You know, so much well, is going on with the VA. I mean, where do you begin? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I'll do left if you want. I can talk to her. And uh, what was your question, Britta? Um, a, a good couple of years ago, uh, Dr. Pash, you and I were discussing uh, 1151 issues uh, at uh, either at the Hatter podcast or maybe the old station we were at. And you agreed with something I said. I said that the VA, I believe, was um, hiding all of their 1151 statistics. And um, because there was no accountability. If they didn't go through FCCA, there was no accountability at all. And uh, I've been giving information to a reporter, and uh, I've also uh, prepared Secretary Shulkin to understand this situation. And I, and I got some beautiful evidence just two weeks ago. Uh, you seem to agree with me. Is your position the same as it was, or do you have any new information that they are not hiding their 1151 payout? Um, um, well, I know, well, I know that the 1151 data is hard to come by. I, mean, I used to do work with the you know, paralyzed veterans like site business, and I tried to gather that data before I went on site business and never could get a hold of it. And I know that the, a lot of the money for 1151 doesn't come out of the local hospital sites. It comes out of a general fund. So general, yes, the, direct service yeah. connected fund. Right. So, and I had that so, verified by the BDA. Yeah. So, the, so, so the hospital, my, my point was that some of that money should come out of the hospital's budget and the director's budget so it feels the pinch of bad care, you know? Yeah. But, um, so if he, doesn't, if he doesn't pay that, then he doesn't really have any reason to keep statistics on it or even know what, 
what the, what the money's about, about or, you know, what your claims yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't surprise me that the data is not really available. Yeah, well, it's something Congress doesn't know. I've talked to two former chairmen of the HVAC about eight years ago, uh, and it still bothers me a lot because a lot is coming out about malpractice in the VA lately. And... Um, and I, I'm not begrudging any, you know, I get a, was getting 1151 until you wrote two fabulous independent medical opinions for me. And it turned into direct service connection. And I don't begrudge anybody getting that money. I just feel that Congress and the public should have the right to know how much malpractice is really costing them and the VA. If you take my you should also know where it's coming from because some places might be more injurious, more cases than others. You know, the VA is a huge system. They used to talk about how they do 1,100 surgeries a day and 250,000 clinics. So they're doing a lot of work out there. And so just by their sheer numbers, if you have a 1% or half a percent mistake rate, you're going to have, you know, some bad outcomes. That's natural, but you should kind of know where they are and be able to figure out what hospitals causing them and what system problems are generating the 1151 Yeah, well, there's a lot to it. But uh, I, I hope the woman contacts you, and I hope anybody that I uh, give you as a reference to uh, takes the time and, and, and is willing to do that with you because I tell them there may be no malpractice, and then they'll have peace of mind instead of uh, getting an award letter. And some, for some people, that peace of mind could be greater than an award. The thing is that that, that that little clause talks about the unexpected outcome. You know, the yeah. Fact that it's, uh, even if it's not malpractice, it's the outcome that's not what's supposed to happen. So if somebody goes yeah. and gets your knee operated on, you have to do an amputation. Yeah, well, this is a case of an unexpected amputation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, so, yeah. so, you know, the, but uh, then again, uh, the woman, maybe she'll give us a little bit more. There's a lot more to it, uh, uh, Dr. Bash. Um, the VA refers her to a, a private hospital. I can't figure out exactly where the malpractice started. But uh, she joined uh, a few hours ago, and uh, I just uh, got a little bit more information. So... We'll see how it goes. But, but thank you for being our guest tonight, Dr. Bash. You always provide yeah. excellent information. Yeah, thank so, you. How many, I saw something about how many head members you were and how many radio or how many telephone calls you get a month in contact. Do you know those numbers, Roda? Big numbers, right? Um, uh, those statistics, um, actually, Dr. Bash, do you hear an echo when I'm talking to you? Yes. Yeah, I hear that echo, too. Yeah, but, yeah, but uh, that's a problem with blood. Yeah, um, it's their problem. So. Uh, every year on our anniversary show in January, Keeper posts these statistics. Uh, last year we got over a million hits. Now, that means hits from guests, but that also includes hits from people like me where I might be on the site four or five times during the course of the day. But I think we've got 14,000 members on uh, I could check that right now. Uh, I don't know how many people uh, hear the show. No. Yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about was, uh, was this idea of lumping claims. Lumping claims. So um, I do these cases, you know, and all of a sudden I, you know, I, talk to guy, I talk to the guy on the phone. I'm asking what he's rated for. He says, I said, are you ready for your ankle? Do you have an ankle? Are you ready for your or your foot? Because you have my foot and how about your toes? You have my toes. All three of them, I get 10%. I go, what do you mean you get 10%? Because I get 10% for my ankle, my foot, and my toes. I go, so I get I get a copy of this. I get a copy of this thing in the VA. The VA lumped all three of them together. It might be a knee, you know, knee, hip, and ankle together. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they lump, they lump all, these, all these codes together. You a group a group code number ten percent or something something like that. And so the patient doesn't realize that each one of those organ systems should be separated out rated independently. Right. So the rate the, the, the patient really is way underrated. And if you tell somebody about it, you say ten percent of my foot or my ankle, or my toes, everybody says that makes sense. But then when you ask him more specifically what it means, it's just a love for eating. Anybody else do that? 
Well, what, what, you're, and what you're saying makes sense now. Do they still add up three tens to ten? Yeah, yeah, those average, yeah, those, oh, there's, yeah, exactly. It's kind of, um, they group them, they group them. Yeah. The reader, the reader gets credit for doing so many cases a day, and if he puts them all three together, he doesn't have to write them all up. He just gives them 10% for a group of three and calls yeah. it a day. And way under rates of patients, at least once you get 10% or 20 right now. Yeah, it, it's absolutely bizarre and ridiculous. Uh, the whole claims process is going to change, so, uh, Dr. Bash. Uh, we talked about it uh, about two, last week or two weeks ago. Um, uh, it's H.R. 457. Uh, the Secretary's Office told me that uh, I had input into that regulation, the regulations they're proposing, but he couldn't tell me which ideas they were using. And I'm hoping that they will get away from the 646, which is a big-time waster, unless a representative is actually going to state something that will advance the claim. But uh, the, the new, the, it's very interesting what this new claims process is going to be. And, of course, we'll all be able to make public comment. But uh, things, are, they, things are changing. What do, you, what do you know about it? Or how is it going to be laid out? Uh, 457, um, they're going to... The main thing, what I understand from what they're going to do is to, um, if they deny your claim right off the get-go, they can put you immediately into a quay to the BVA. But there's going to be three or four more options. And uh, Travis Studdard, the attorney, explained it far better than I could. I haven't even had a chance to read uh, the whole of uh, 457 which has probably changed since the secretary's office called me. That was a couple months ago. But um, uh, what I can do, I can email, well, well, I can email you the link to the show he did. You know, because maybe his information is more updated than what I was getting, talking to somebody, you know, calling from the secretary's office. If you know what I mean, and so I'm not sure what's going to happen. You know, Dr. Support. For doctor's standpoint, you know, like when they when they build an air when they build an airplane, they talk about ergonomics, like make it easy for the pilot to find switches and so on. You know. Yeah. So medicine, the way we build medicine in the clinic and the hospitals, is very efficient for the doctors who work this. Natural, and we're trained in that way. And the whole yeah. claims process, like for example, the, the DBQs, DBQs is totally backwards, and it's not natural for a doctor to go through and answer those questions in the order they have them or the way they're organized. So usually, I haven't really found a DBQ yet that's filled out correctly by a physician because they ask the same question in different places and different ways. And, you know, so it's just yeah. Uh, and the claim process is the same way. If they can make it efficient, you know, because all this stuff boils down a lot of times with the you know, yeah. exam, the IME, IMO. So well, there's a lot they can do. Doctor Bash, I invented a tactic of getting them to cue themselves within the appeal period. It's worked for me. It's worked for two or three other veterans, and I have. Uh, asked uh, Shulkin to uh, generate a fast letter on it. There's no need for an amendment to 38. And that alone, plus eliminating the 646, right there is going to cut down the backlog. Uh, it forces people to look for VA errors in that very first decision they make, whether it's an award or a denial. Alberta, it's a CUE, right? Clear mistake error? Pardon me? You're talking about the CUE, right? Clear and mistake error? Gee, I still can't get you. A clear and unmistakable error, Bert. Oh, yes, Gerald. Is there any way you can get rid of the echo? Um, the echo is part of blog talk. It's in blog talk. Oh, it's terrible. Giving us yeah. fits tonight. <laughs> yeah. Well, Q, a 38 uh, USC uh, 5107A. Uh, I've used that successfully the way it was. 
people who usually, if a veteran or a claimant like me, appealed a denied decision, or in my case, it was an award letter, uh, I ended up, I just won another 1151 claim on the same award letter. They made so many clear and unmistakable errors in the award. But yeah. I figured yeah. if we, if they use this stuff against us, because they can call a few and start to reduce a veteran's compensation, say, well, we made a mistake three years ago when we made that big award. If they can pull that crap on us, I feel we should be able to use the regulations as our best weapons to get things fixed. So I have it all had it, the templates that I've used, asking the VA to uh, go cue themselves <laughs> within the appeal period. <laughs> and it works. It works because I'm using their regulations. And the best one of all is 38 CFR 4.6. They must conscientiously consider every piece of probative evidence. And I should have used the Dr. Bash when they were screwing around with me when they didn't. They wanted to completely avoid reading your medical opinion. And you might remember how that went. And of course, I knew the board would, would read them. The, the board can read. And there was no problem whatsoever. I should have used it. That was, you know, that was years ago, and and since then I've kind of evolved to the same thing. I use I use that clear error a lot on these decisions because it's kind of a shortcut through the process, you know. Oh, it is. Good. Well, good for you, Doctor Bash. I had a feeling. I know you know all about Q, and it is a shorter way in many cases to cut away a lot of the bull crap, and yeah. and of course, and and it can keep things out of the BVA and that horrible backlog. Yeah. You know, the other thing, yeah. the other thing the Q does, any, any Q, any clear error has to go to a, to a DRO to be read, and the, and the DROs read pretty well, too, like the DVA does, so, and they're experienced, yeah. and they understand all, all the issues, so by doing a, by doing a clear error uh, claim, you automatically get the case away from maybe a junior raider into a senior raider's hands, which makes a huge difference. Well... That's great. Uh, I had a lot of trouble uh, with one of my cues. It took about six years. Uh, and they kept telling me it was, was with a specialist. Well, I started to figure out the specialist is this guy that fills their paper cup dispenser by their water cooler. <laughs> because some of the responses I got on that were absolutely absurd. But uh, just before it was set for BA transfer, a miracle happened. I had an AOIHD claim, and I asked the Nemer Philadelphia Regional Office instead of my own to, uh, well, actually, I had two cues to to decide those cues because both of them were contingent on a proper Agent Orange IHD award, and they did. They granted them in a heartbeat. Uh, and yeah. that's why cues are so important. Yeah. Uh, I, I could have been patient and waited for the BVA, but I saw a way to have an opportunity to get it resolved. You know, and I made a point to them. These cues have been at my regional office for almost seven years at that point. They were filed before my 2010 NEMA claim, and plus the fact that they were contingent on the proper resolve of the AOIC. Well, one of them was not contingent on it, but they did award it. They awarded it all. So there's a lot of there's a lot of rumor there's a lot of rumor out there about the clear errors because a lot of a lot of the um, service officers and the state reps and the people that help the veterans go, oh, there's no way you can win a clear error uh, award. So the veterans are all dissuaded from that because all the all the service help people, service officers dissuade them from doing CUE claims. Yeah. But, well, some of the service officers recognize you, but a lot of them don't. And I was hoping a fast letter to all regional offices and VSOs would maybe get them on the ball to look for that. It's the first thing I look for in a decision these days. It had it. That's the first thing I look for. It's so, it's so funny. It's so funny, Bert, because I've evolved. I've evolved to the same thing independently in my own work. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, it's uh, wonderful, it's and it's wonderful. exciting when you find a cue, you know. Uh, and um, but you know what, Doctor Bash, I'm going to um, uh, still listen to the show, uh, but I'm going to uh, allow you to continue because there were a few things that you brought up, I think, or was that had it that you were going to discuss that I know everybody will want to hear. So I've got another, I've got another idea about strain. This idea about strain. So I see a lot of, a lot of cases where the, the, the disease giving the patient, you know, lumbar spine strain for 10%, or they'll give them knee strain or something like that, and, and the VA is totally trying to avoid any kind of code that might be arthritis or degenerative disc disease. Oh, sure. Because those codes can go, can go a lot higher. Yeah, strain is stuck at 10%. So if I have if I have 10 cases come across my desk these days, 9 out of 10 I'll have strain on them. These days make a very concerted effort to put all these patients in the strain category. So I have to go back and re, you know, re-diagnose them and, re- and change the whole the whole code along with the claim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you are meticulous in your work, and, and that's why I always recommend you. Uh, because you're going to do more for veterans uh, in the long run than anybody else. There's no other way that they can help the veteran when they need that independent medical opinion. And, and a lot of veterans don't need an IMO or an IMA, Dr. Bash, but I see more and more these days that they do. I see a lot of patients, the other thing that the is doing is putting a you know, threshold on like at 80 and 90%, 92%, 89%. And so they, the patient will have claims and the VA will be paranoid about the 100% award, so they'll stick them at 90% and just ignore a bunch of claims or group some claims or put claims in the strain category, all kinds of different ways to try and keep below 100% rating. So that's an area that... I get involved yeah. in a lot because yeah. you have to go through and review the whole the whole case to make sure every every one of the ratings is correct. Right, right. That that's a good point because we've got a vet there uh, who had 100, percent but it looks like they're dropping him to 90. And yeah, they're doing a lot of that. Yeah, of that. and you know it might not seem like a lot, but it really is a lot. Yeah, because 100 percent comes to P and T. Uh, that you know that opens the benefits up for their uh, family. It's also a gateway to S and C too if they have problems later on. Yeah. 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 But I I'm, I could talk to you all day, Doctor Bash. But I, I'm going to get off the phone here and I'm going to uh, enjoy the rest of the show. And thank you again for coming back to Haddish. Yeah, you're welcome. So another another issue that I found was um this whole idea of sleep apnea. Where they changed the they changed the rules where they wanted to require a medical necessity letter from a doctor. Has anybody seen that? No, I haven't. Yep. So I had a patient last week. They rated him. The guy's on uh, he's on CPAP. And he's got sleep obstructive sleep apnea. And they uh, and they rated him at zero percent. So what do you mean they gave you zero percent? He says, well, they gave me zero percent means I'm service-connected, but they won't give me the 50% rating until I have a secondary review by a physician that writes a letter that says that it's medically necessary, it's a medical necessity that he has a CPAP device. So it's a whole other secondary threshold that they have to go through. What if you're, you're on a ventilator at night? Uh, what if you're on a ventilator at night instead of a CPAP, doctor? Yeah, if you're you know if you have oxygen at night you might be hundred yeah. percent even, you know. So but but the uh but the the, the sleep apnea part they put a special it's the first time I've seen them activated a little new little rule in there about this medical necessity. Yeah, because you can die. You know, my point is that when you're you you have the same point, it's a ventilator or full time oxygen and you don't have it and you can die, so obviously a medical necessity. Yes. It certainly is. A lot of people got to claiming it, and they got overwhelmed by it. They wanted to, but they're trying to put a stop to it. So they put these little parameters in there to make you jump through more hoops in order to get it properly. Yeah, that's exactly right. And the, and the veteran might not know. You know, he says, "Well, I'm rated." I asked him, "I'm rated for CPAP." It wasn't until I asked what the exact code was that I realized that he had those secondary hoops, like you said. 
Well, they can put the hoops in there, but the hoops don't override the part four, and it says if you're on a CPAP machine, it's a 50% rating regardless of what the VA says. So you can go ahead and uh, chalk that up as a win because once it goes to the next level, that little parameter's going to be bye-bye. They do that all the wow. time, and it's just uh, so they can write any parameter they want to write to advertise it. They, the parameters cannot override the part four. I'm sorry, the part three. So they can do what they want to do, but the law is the law, and uh, their interpretation of the law might be different. But they're still going to have to follow what the law says. That's what the final judge will tell them. Yeah, the PGA judges do a good job of doing the records. It's always my stance. Yeah. They don't like to follow the ball, but when it gets to the top level, they have to follow it. That's what makes a lot of VSOs and a lot of uh, vet reps successful, is to use the law and follow the law. Well, now, we have a lot of veterans on CPAPs, don't we? There's there's quite a few. That's, I don't know yeah. how many I've spoken to. Very high number. Very high number. Look, I saw a stat the other day, girl. It's, 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 it's astronomical. Yeah, the, um, the physiology, you know, the medical physiology of this is, is really evolving. You know, anybody, in my mind, anybody with a spine injury, neck injury, of course, probably needs CPAP. And then, um, and then um, anybody, anybody over 50, over 50 just based on age, based on might might even be eligible for CPAP based on their physiology. I had a guy last week that his wife saying that he was snoring. She recommended that he go to the hospital and get sleep study. And this is a normal guy, and he not even a veteran, and he was just laying in his bed. They found him dead, dead in his bed a couple days later. You know, his book and his glasses next to his, his phone, and um, he died. You know, autopsy. On autopsy, you don't really find anything wrong with sleep apnea because there's no, um, there's no real lesion that you can. You know, it's not like you have a, a bleeding aneurysm and you have a heart attack. It's the fact that your airway closes off and you uh, suffocate, so you die from you know anoxia, and there's no the autopsy is normal. Yeah, and I think what what it is is a lot of them uh, go into this shallow breathing while they're sleeping, and then it just progresses on until that shallow breathing just stops, and uh, that's what gets them probably. Because I've I've experienced that. Only I never died. But uh, I'll give you a personal story, Doctor Bash. I got a spinal cord injury and a neck injury, and my sleep apnea got denied, so I went had to set the plasty done, and uh, it cured it. <laughs> <laughs> so you got you got the treatment because they denied the case. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yeah. Yeah, you want the nose, the throat, the neck, nervous system, the nerves, the brain, all those things, lungs, all those diaphragm, all that stuff to contribute to sleep apnea. If your diaphragm is paralyzed, they'll give you sleep apnea when you file for it, what do you think? What was that question? If your diaphragm is paralyzed, they'll give you sleep apnea in the secondary quickly. Yeah, that's right. The problem is you can't, like you said, diagnosis after the fact is hard. Yeah. So BDA. The time, so. What's that? Go ahead, Dr. Beck. Oh, the BDA. The BDA has a huge backlog. You know, they're bogged down. I have, I have cases that, that the BDA is like kicking out of the BDA and sending them back to the regional office before they even look at them. They're like shortcutting them. I guess in the, in the process of being certified, they're telling the uh, regional offices to try and redo them or, or relook at them or reconsider them or something at the local place that said it's sending them up the stream, you know? 
Well, because you've got mistakes in the made by the reading office, they should be picked back anyway if made mistakes. Because if they oh, made a mistake, there's no reason for this thing to go. If they have a claim that's got mistakes from the regional office and the BVA gets his hands on it and they look at it and see the mistakes, they should kick it back immediately to the regional office if they pick, you know, like this. Why, yeah, I think you know, why waste the veterans' time? I think that's exactly what they're doing. I think they're screening these cases before they get to the B- in a much greater detail now before they get to the BVA so that they can shortstop them and get them back to the regional office. Yeah. I'd like to see a situation like that happen to where the veterans, if the, if the regional office makes mistakes like that, and they have to award the veteran, take that money out of the regional office budget and pay that veteran. They'd get a fix in a hurry if they done that. Yeah, that's the same, that's the same thing. You know, it's that somehow these errors, you know, the CUE errors or the malpractice errors or the rating errors should all come back to, to you know, Original jurisdiction and try and give some feedback on the quality so that way we can make some corrections. Right, right. Did you see the story on rolling on BA here in the last couple days? No. No. Yeah, they got caught denying a bunch of claims and automatic denial. The IG busted them wide open. They blamed on some employees, but it was a mad issue and they got a big report on it. It's a good story to read. How, uh, how, uh, how they find out? They just, they, they decided like in five minutes and they realized that they were automatic dials or something like that? Yeah, that and a whistleblower, I think. Whistleblower, I think. All right. All right. Yeah. So, so I had a, I had a, a raider who was asking me to do a case for her. I was asking her details about that, how they get credit for their cases, you know? So she said that if they um, if they deny a case or if they grant a case, they get credit for that case for, the, for days of work. If they if they get a case that comes in the door, and it's a big you know, it's a case, they read it and they realize they need more development, and they send it out for development, they don't get credit for that work for the days for days duty. So you can have a big, you can have a big spine case or brain case. You spend the reading read the record for a couple hours. You realize that you need an MRI scan or you need another medical opinion, and you send it out for development. Then uh, you don't get credit for those two hours you wasted. But if you deny it, if you read it, you read it's a big fat case, and you deny it, then you get credit for you get credit for the um, for the case. And you don't have to read it. Well, that explains all the denials. Yeah, they're easy found out. Boom, 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 out the door. That's probably what that's probably what Roanoke was doing. They're probably just denying cases quickly. Get their get their yep. five cases a day. Get their five cases a day. Boom, boom, boom. And um, throw the numbers so they get their bonus. Yeah. So that's really bad. That's really bad because, like you just said, it, that explains all these all these denials that you say. Did they ever read this case? And you say, yeah, now you don't know they didn't read the case. They denied it because they want to get credit for it. Well, I don't know how they can read some of them. There's many pages. They certainly not going to read them completely. Especially when they get other right. files and mix them with yours, Gerald. <laughs> <laughs> 8,000 pages. <laughs> they ain't going to read that in a day. I guarantee <laughs> So that's why I was taught a long time ago by an old Raider guy, you know, old appeals guy at the DDA said, you know, part of the job is to try to lay out the rules and get the medical opinion. But the other part, the other part of the whole, the whole package is to make it easy for the Raider. So what do you mean? Well, you just got to lay out the stuff that he needs to see in front of his nose so he can just go down like a checklist and, and then rate it. Because if he has an 8,000-page case, he's got to dig through and find all the little needles in the haystack that put it together. It's not going to happen, maybe. But if, but if people that prepared the case, the medical opinion and the lay letters and the um, supporting evidence are all laid out in an organized way that the reader can go through and read easily, you have a much better chance of getting a fair evaluation. Well, that certainly makes sense. And uh, you are right. Uh, if uh, something comes in 
5,000 pages, uh, 8,000, 10,000, some of them mean bigger. Uh, even a couple thousand pages. In order to study it and know exactly what they're saying, you gotta, you got to pay attention to what you're reading. And, and uh, if a, the BA expects a reader to accomplish five of those a day, that seems a bit ridiculous to me. Yeah. How are they going to give an honest opinion? It has to be uh, short. A claim, actually, shouldn't have to be over, it should be less than 100 pages, I think, all of them. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I, yeah, right. I mean, even my, my biggest medical opinions, you know, are 20, 20 pages if I have somebody with, you know, huge bunch of stuff. So if I have 20 pages and you have 10, 10 pages or 20 pages of rural regulation stuff and 10, 20 pages of lay letters, you know, you get the whole thing done by 100 pages, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so they're yeah, asking, the, thing, uh, the BA's asking something that really cannot be delivered, and that's why we have such a backlog and such a high rate of uh, denials. Yeah, it's denials. Yeah. Easy, fast, get them out the door. You know, the other thing that's slowing things down is this electronic records. Right? In some ways, it you know, captures all the data, but it's but it's cumbersome to use. And um, you know, I talked to my old radio guys in my own experience. I could probably do I could do a paper record case three or four times faster than I could do electronic record case exactly the same case. Because I can lay, you know, papers I can lay them all out. I can integrate all the different papers. You know, I can have six different piles of things for, for the same part of the claim. Instead of having six six screens, I can write in the margins, and I can fold the pages over, and I can put stickies on them. And I can go back when I go back and type it up, and I can go after it real easily. Whereas an electronic record is much more cumbersome to do that. It's hard to find, hard to find the data. And so that's also causing the raiders heartburn because it slows them down. Well, I don't know, but that phase of the BA's rating uh, system should be revamped uh, because I think they're uh, requiring too much from the raiders. It's something that's, if they're going to give an honest rating, uh, how can they? I know we've had mouthing real bad, but... uh, if they're required to do something, that falls back on the VA, uh, not the Raider, unless the Raider, Raiders all get together and say, hey, wait a minute, this is just ridiculous, you know. You, they can't yeah, expect them to go through yeah, this. information will be forwarded. It's really hard, it's really hard to protect how long a case is going to take just based on the stuff that's on the surface. Like you say, well, the case is 8,000 pages. That might take so much time. You might see the case has 10 claims that that might take so much time. Or the case might be the case might be one page. It might be 100 pages. And you think that'd be an easy case. But like in my experience, like that one page, that one claim, 100 pages, could be one of those one of those liver fluke cases like you just talked about. And I have to go back to the books and, and do research. It might take me a whole day's worth of research to throw it out. And you're going, this is crazy. This is the one. This is the one claim issue. It takes me a whole day to do it. I could take as long as I want on a case. You just can't predict. You just can't predict how long a case is going to take based on the on the claims that are coming in at you. Well, that's true. And the BA ought to take all that into consideration. So actually, the BA. Uh, the higher echelon in the VA needs to take a serious look at this issue because uh, the employees there in the regional offices are taking a quite a beating, and there's not much they can do about it because their superiors are are requiring them to do something that really uh, is. Not right, you know. They shouldn't be doing that because they're only yeah, hurting the veterans. Yeah, yeah but the result the result is that they just denied, just denied, they denied a case and sent it off. That's what we get. All these cases are unread. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's easy <clears> to <throat> deny it and say, get it off my desk. Another clinical problem I see along these lines is they have a, you know, knee, you have knee joint problems. You might have, you know, arthritis, knee joint. What they do is they either rate them for telephemoral syndrome, which is a 10% code for the whole knee and, and downgrade it, or they'll rate the knee joint and forget to, and forget to add the telephemoral syndrome joint as a 10%. So either way, that patellofemoral syndrome is not being looked at very carefully for the radio. That's pretty much very similar to uh, DDD and uh, cervical strain, isn't it? And to miss all that yeah. too? Yeah. Yep, same thing. Lumbar, cervical, yep, yep. Yeah. I thought so. It's complicated. Like you say, this stuff gets complicated. I got this week. I got this week. You have like um, spine injury, you know, TBI, and like MS, three things, three together. <laughs> so, you know, those guys can have all kinds of similar problems, like with the bowel and bladder system, or motor function, legs and arms. And then you have CMS implantation with osteoporosis. Oh boy, that's the case. That's the case. Has three. I have two or three claims that you take all day, two days a week. That's a lot. That's a lot. That is a lot of stuff. Anything new, Dr. Bash? It's been a while since we've had you on the show. Have you been, are you staying pretty busy? Yeah, kisses, yeah, good kisses. I don't really keep track of my statistics very well. I just kind of mope along and do cases as I can, you know. Yeah. They're coming from all the country. The things I just talked about were some of the trends I see, the way they raise them and how they're, you know, lumping things and coding them. But um, I get a lot of, you know, these cases, a lot of toxin, a lot of toxin cases now, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of water, you know, bad water cases from the closed races. Seems like there's kind of a rash of those going. And um, Warzel and those burn pit fires. You know, it's interesting. Those, those toxic, I guess that makes sense. Those toxic cases take a while to take a surface because that toxic exposure might take a few years for your body to manifest some of the some of the some of the diagnoses that come from that. You know, like patients might have scarred lung and find out that they have problems. Have you done any? Have you done any asbestos or mesothelioma cases? Yeah, I still, I'm doing one right now on my desk. What, what's your question? Uh, I just how does the V or how do they handle that? You know, I mean, the guy's got his the thosis, they have to prove exposure and all this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this guy, this guy had a chronic obstructive lung disease, and he also had asbestos lung disease with interstitial lung disease and pleural plaques. Yeah. No, no cancer. No, no cancer. So the so the um, just kind of ignored the asbestos rating for the COPD and gave thirty percent. So the so he's on this guy's on CPAP and has much more serious lung disease. So we'll, we'll get the get the asbestos part put in there. And then the the wife said that she had already gone through the through the pathways and he was on the registry of or he was on a ship that was on a registry for asbestos exposure and he worked in a shipyard. So all the all the okay. there was a they had a pathway where they could prove that he was exposed to asbestos. I could prove the medical part of it. Um, when was he sir? Do you remember when he was in service? No, it was year, a few years ago. I think I don't know when the threshold for when they could when the ships were safe. I don't know if they're safe now, but the no, the building they're building them safe now. But uh, if I'm, you can mark me if I'm wrong. But they started building uh, the ships that were safe were late 70s, 78, 79. Okay, those ships are supposed to be safe. Before that's probably got asbestos in it. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that, that's my that's, that's my expertise. My, I was the best worker in the navy. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh, so it's just uh, it's it's a lot of a lot of vets that are exposed. I tell you. Yeah, especially when they dry dock, right? The dry dock and the refurbishing things is a lot of dust and they're yeah, also on a ship a lot of time. In the ships, like in the new dry dock, they're doing a lot of repairs on the ships. They're doing a lot of valves and a lot of pipes and a lot of machinery. And anything exposed to heat is probably going to have as best as, you know, and especially the steam pipes. And if they tear up, if they change and re-pipe, re- re- you know, right, that's a big job. And uh, it can get airborne. It, it has been airborne for years before, you know, before people even realized how bad as best would. Well, so... You know, a lot of your World War II vets had it because they were on ships that got hit by shells and explosions, and that did the same thing, you know. It just feels like right. you got the ventilation system, and everybody, everybody was exposed. So, that's bad stuff. That's nasty. It's nasty. It's nasty to the body. Mm-hmm. It is so good. <laughs> Have I recommend that anybody thinking where it's supposed to Have you been tested for asbestos at, uh, contamination? I've been tested several times, Joe. Matter, matter of fact, uh, I've got an open claim for it, you know, but uh, the situation is uh, they've already admitted my exposure because actually I removed it. Yeah. And I showed them the records of what I did, So, but I don't have any disease right now, so that's good. But... I'm already 100% for a lung issue, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> well, true, but it'd be something to keep an eye on. I don't know if they can catch you, catch it early on. Um, is there anything they can do with it? Before well, it reaches stage three or four, you know? Yeah, the, most, the main thing is that, is that deadly thing, the mesothelioma, you know? So yeah. if you have pleural plaques, then the fibers will sit there and, you know, it cause problems with the, the ventilation system, but the mesothelioma is the one that can be really deadly. So find that really intriguing. Yeah, it gets them in the Yeah, it find it early. It can put you down. It can. Yeah, it can put you down. It can. So if we had stretch here, do we not have an echo? Uh... It depends. I think this is the connection with Blog Talk tonight because it, we had some issues with the computers trying to even get on. It took me like 15 minutes just to even get to the page. Well, I'm I'm st- I never had oh, echo with stretches. With stretches around, no echo. Yeah. I just now got in the queue. <laughs> Did you? Isn't that? Yeah. I it's Blog Talk. I guarantee you the next show it won't be the Dr. Bass. Okay. I'm just curious. Uh, we need to start having you on more often, you know. We need. I'm gonna try to get some figures and facts and numbers as far as backlog and things like that. Better get that going. I, I can get them out of Congress. Yeah. Yeah. Let me know. If you have questions. You formulate questions. You have cases. All that stuff. Or you know, I'll tackle them mm-hmm. on the fly. Well, work. Well, definitely. Uh, I'm sorry we missed Janice. She sent me an email. I told her how to get into the show. Maybe we can get her next time. Well, if we had that much trouble, I could see her having trouble. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, we'll get okay. Now, Dr. Bass, Janice works with you. Is she like a is she a vet rep or what she do? Uh, Alice is your name. Alice is your name. Alice. Yeah, Alice. I'm sorry, Alice. Alice Burnett. So Alice Skip. Um, you know, the way it works is I can I can answer the telephone or I can, or I can type these cases, right? So what they're doing is they're doing telephone stuff for me so they can see a lot of questions and they also set me up for morning morning telephone calls. So like in the morning, I might have three or four calls and we start like at 5 o'clock, 5.30, 6, 6.30, like a half hour. And I'll take, every day I'll take telephone calls for repeat customers or new, new, new patients, you know, that have problems or whatever. So, um, now, do you do you use a recorder to record stuff and have it transcribed, or how do you do that? No, I just type it one one letter by letter with my finger. Okay. 
Just still, boom, boom, boom. So I tried, over the years I've tried those Dragon Dictations. I might have to go back again because I tried the first version, the second version, the third. Suppose the new one now is pretty good, but the problem is the words, the words are a little different. They're not, I don't know, I think that, that I feel like I typed this faster before, but maybe I have to try it again. Yeah, you talk a little bit faster than dictation, man. Oh, that's right. You like I used to do, yeah, that's the problem, yeah. I used to do radio, yeah, I did radiology dictation for years, and that was all, I t- yeah, I dictated the dictaphone, and the lady would type it up behind me, and that, uh, they could slow it down and do it. The problem is I have a, you know, I have a lung, you know, I have a spinal cord injury with neck, neck injury, so I don't get a lot of air in my lungs, so I kind of talk and spurt instead of linear sentences. Yep. It's funny. Yep. Yep. I got a couple of buddies of mine with the same kind of injury. We kind of talk. We kind of talk in shorthand, you know. So you get yeah. incomplete quads talk to each other. You know, our senses are all little snippets. Okay. Now you got full use of your arms and hands, right? Oh uh, yeah. Well, you know, I have a, it's a C six seven incomplete injury, so everything's weak, but they, it works a little bit. You know? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, oh, okay. So, so, you got to keep exercising, man. you got to keep your muscle tone up in them arms. Yeah, I try. And it's a double-edged sword. So I'm 30, you know, 33 years now in the spinal cord. And so, the, you know, the average guy pushes his wheelchair 1,200 times. So if, in a day, so yeah. if I might do that, and I over, I can overuse. I don't want to overuse my joints either. It's kind of a, it's kind of a balancing issue. That's what you like to water ski and snow ski too, don't you? That, that, that helps a lot, don't it? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I've kind of given up snow skiing. It's too dangerous for me. Water skiing is good. Water skiing, what's good about water skiing? Actually, I go to the gym now and do that. I'll just pull, I'll just, instead of trying to do reps on a machine, I'll just grab onto one of those yeah. little pulley systems and, and hold hold weight against it, not like a rowing machine, but just constant weight. Yeah. So that constant pressure makes you contract my hands and my arms and my back muscles and my shoulders, all that stuff has to contract at the same time. So I'm exercising a bunch of jo- a bunch of muscles at one time in a very gentle very gentle way, so that's my new kind of work thing. Good. Now don't don't ever stop, but of course you gotta keep doing it. Yeah, I try. Now we'll have to get you back on. We'll get Alice on, and we'll. Yeah. Oh, it was a shindig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alice is Alice is on the list to take the test for the certification. So she's you know, knows a lot about what's going on. That's slow. Yeah, that was forever. She's been waiting for like three years for that. Oh, what's the deal with that? Is I don't know. Something wrong with General Council. I don't know. But, uh, you know, there's only like, there's less than 200 reps, like, yeah, they're agents. Oh, 200 certified agents? Yeah. Yeah. I think the lawyers, I think the lawyers are blocking it because there's like a couple thousand lawyers at 3,000 now, you know? So they want, yeah. they want well, the agents to come competition. I've seen a lot of these workers' comp social security attorneys jump on board and try to do this stuff when they're... They're out of they're out like a fish out of water. The thing I noticed is that the, I've been doing this for a while. And back in the day, there was only a hundred lawyers that were doing cases. You know, now they've exploded to several thousand, and a lot of these lawyers don't really know what they're doing in the cases. They just, they just they'll sign somebody up and uh, throw some mud against the wall, <laughs> let the case let the case percolate, and gather up a retroactive award and hope that they win. They don't really know what to do. Yeah. And you got a lot of cherry pickers out there too, like the cherry pick claims. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Drew, we're out of time, buddy. Yeah, I think we better get signed off here before podcast does something else to us. Uh, Dr. Bass, appreciate you coming on. Hope to talk to you again real soon. Uh, you want to give your information out real quick so people oh, yeah. get a hold of you? Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for the other show. Craig Bash, Craig Bash last name is B-A-S-H. So if you Google Craig Bash, that's a good way to find me. But, uh, you know, my email is drbash at Delta Romeo Bash at Dr. Spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R dot com. 
That's a good way to get me. Another way, another way to get me is to that scheduler guy, that guy Skip I told you about, right? And Alice, so he's, yeah. he's 